0: Hey, what are you doing? Oh, burying your cat, Mr. Bootsy. I loved Mr. Bootsy. I guess you loved Mr. Bootsy too, huh? Because he's your cat,
1: Well, was your cat. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you come to church with me? Because all cats go to heaven, and if you go to church with me, you can find out what happened to Mr. Bootsy. I don't think that's the way it works. Yeah, I think it is. No, that's accurate. I
0: don't think it is. That's what happens. I don't think it does. All cats go to heaven. It's not the way it works. Are you calling me a liar? So do you want to go to church with me?
1: Good morning. So you want to go to church with me? <laughs> welcome. We're glad that you're here today and we welcome you uh, and, we, and we welcome our guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad you're here and hope you'll feel part of our family. We like to r- remind everyone of our attendance sheets uh, and if you would take that and to fill it out we would appreciate it. Uh, the video that you saw is, uh, is a t- little tongue-in-cheek thing. It's kind of leading up to our a special day that we have coming up on September the 16th, and that's the Back to Church Sunday. Um, Now, how many of you know of somebody who needs to be back in church, had not been in church for a while, needs to be back in church? Most of us know somebody like that. And this is an opportunity for you to invite that person to come to church. We're going to have a special day on September the 16th, and this is an opportunity for you to invite that person to church. And did you know that, that 82% of people who are not attending church say that they would attend church if somebody invited them to go? And so for a lot of people, all it takes is an invitation. Just don't do it like that. Just a simple invitation. That's all it takes. Um, several other things that, are, that we have going on upward is um, it's, in, it's not in full swing yet, but we're swinging. We got all the um, got all the uh, the brochures distributed. We started uh, evaluations yesterday. We will be having evaluations tomorrow and Tuesday and Thursday and next Saturday as well. And uh, we'll be setting up the teams, and we're we're recruiting volunteers for coaches and concessions and cleanup and setup and all sorts of things. There are all kinds of things that you can do to help with our Upward program. And most importantly, you can pray for it, And, and we hope that you'll be doing that already, praying for this Upward ministry. It's an important ministry of our church. Pray for our children. Pray for our leaders and uh, and volunteer to work, uh, and it's it's going to be another great year. I know. We do need some scholarships. Um, as soon as the uh, brochures got in the hands of of people, we the phone started ringing off the hook, and people were a lot of people were asking for scholarships, money, and uh, if you would like to provide scholarships for some children who cannot uh, afford to uh, to play, or afford to to pay the cost. The cost for each child is $65, and uh, if you would like to provide some scholarships, uh, we would appreciate that. Just write a check and, and put its to upward scholarships on there, and we would appreciate it. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll be having our Sureway fundraiser on September the 7th and 8th, and that's a big, uh, a big fundraiser for our missions project, and we are, we're doing some pre-selling. We have these tickets um, that uh, we are pre-selling for, for dinners and if you would like to, to buy some, you can do that, see somebody on the mission team. But uh, more importantly, if you'd like to take a group of 10 tickets with you and sell them to 10 of your friends, that'd be even better. So if you know some people that you would like to sell these to, I'll be standing up here. I've got about 20 right here that I can give you. And uh, and take that. And, and for those of you who have been selling Go ahead and get the money in because we need to start getting a kind of account of what we're going to be expected to, uh, to, to prepare for. Uh, also, one more thing, the uh, women's mission group will be meeting tomorrow night. Uh, they'll be eating dinner at the Tin Fish in Newburgh, and, um, and most, most people are going to be meeting here at the church at 530, right? me here at 530 and we'll be leaving from here. It's great to be with you today. It's great to be in God's house with God's people. And so let's stand up and spread the love of God to one another by, by greeting each other in the name of the Lord.
2: Said. Come on down, children. Matthew's gonna be right here front
3: or over there, I guess.
4: He's over there.
2: How's your, is your mic working? Hey, I'm working now. You working? <laughs> oh, all right. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it seems like whenever it's my week, barely any kids I'm pretty sure the word's getting out. Uh, Can I have the entirety of the youth group to come here? Yeah, I'm going to pick on you. Come on. Jake, you don't have to change that at all for the entirety of this presentation, so come on, Jake. This is all you too, buddy. All right. Now, I need you guys to kind of line up facing each other right here. It'll be perfect. You guys can do that while I talk. Yeah, make a line here and make a line here and face each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These guys are in school. Uh, all right. Upward has started, and bas- Yeah. Look at this. This is great. Anyway, basketball is my favorite game. I'm going to talk a little bit about basketball. Now, basketball was invented in 1891 by a guy named James Naismith. And he invented it in Springfield, Massachusetts. Now, it was invented in Massachusetts. Everybody seems to think it's America's game, blah, blah, blah. Did you know he's not actually an American? James Naismith was Canadian. So, thank you, Canada. <laughs> anyway, since Upward started, I figured we would do this little thing. Now, originally, basketball was created with just a basket. They cut the bottom out of it put it up against the wall, had a little ball, and they would throw it at each other. Now, it's kind of like meeting your goals in life, right? You line up, you take your shot, and it goes in the basket, see? Now, see, Logan's pretty good at this. It's almost like we practiced at home. (laughs) And when you can just stand there and take your shots, you can make your goals in life easy, right? There's nothing to get in the way. But life's not always like that. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm giving weapons to kids. It's okay. Now, a lot of times in life, things happen that get in the way. And they're distractions. Go ahead and wave your little distractions around. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but this will make it a lot harder for Logan to do what he's got to do. See? Things get deflected. His goals just became a lot harder than they were before. So when this happens to you, what do you do? You know, you're trying to meet what you need. Does, do these distractions take away from the fact that Logan can make this basket? No, he is capable of making this basket. You guys are way too loud. Swing him up and down, would you please? Thank you. Okay, so it doesn't take away from who he is. He can still meet his goals. He's still the same person. But he's got all these distractions that are playing around in his head and taking away from the, his ability to do that. So, what do you do when this happens? Take a step back, reevaluate yourself, push your distractions to the side, and suddenly all of your goals are right there in front of you again. You focus on what's important and you can meet your goals again. So, all you guys have got to do is to remember that if a goal is important to you, don't let a distraction get in the way of it. Make sure you set your goals. And remember that no matter what happens, you are still the same person. You still have all the abilities to meet all of your goals. You just have to focus. Now, youth group, I need you to give me your nails. I know. I figured you would like the pink one. That's why I bought it. Okay. Now, I have another task for the youth group. Yeah, don't leave. I like to combine things. All right. Upward has started, and like he said, we need people to pray for Upward. If you have not yet signed up for the 100 days of prayer for Upward and would like to, would you please raise your hand? Now, your job is to take this stuff and distribute one of each to each one of these people that has their hands up. Can you guys manage that? All right, great, here. Now, when you guys get done filling out the cards, if you would please return them to me, that would be great. And I thank you guys. Thanks, Gracie, for being the only child here.
1: Thank you, Matthew. Please join me now in our responsive reading called Commitment, which I think goes along very well with uh, our children's sermon today. Um, and it's kind of the theme of today. Create in us, O God, a kneeling place where we can empty ourselves of our self-importance and become vulnerable to your word to us. Let us pursue the adventure of losing our lives in order to find them in you. Guide us to follow the way of the cross where despair is transformed by the promise of new life and where we are compelled to intercede for those who have more pain in their lives than hope.
4: Amen. Amen.
3: Please bear in mind that when uh, flesh and blood are used here, it's in reference to Jesus teaching his word. So Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day for my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats of me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? For it is the Spirit that gives flesh and life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. today in a spirit of thanksgiving our father we pray that uh, you will help us to give back as you have given we have been taught that stewardship and time talent and finances will produce uh, a return to us and we believe as a church that this is true and we have experienced this help us in this time to address the finance part in christ's name amen
1: so much for that and I hope that that is the sincere prayer of each of us here today. Give me Jesus. There's a time-honored story about a football game featuring two terribly mismatched teams. One team was much larger than the other and the larger team was Dominating the game severely intimidating the smaller team the the hitting was was fierce. But the smaller team had one player who might be able to make a difference. His name was Calhoun. He was the fastest running back in the whole league. And his coach felt that if, if Calhoun could get any blocking at all, he could easily break free and outrun the larger players on the field. And so the coach talked to his quarterback and told him to give the ball to Calhoun and let him run with it. quarterback agreed. But the first play came and, and Calhoun did not get the ball. The coach was mystified. Then the second play came and once again... Calhoun did not touch the ball, and now the, the game was down to the final seconds With the smaller team's only hope for, for winning this game was Calhoun to get the ball and to break free and score the winning touchdown. And so the third, the third play was executed, and still Calhoun did not get the ball. And the coach was furious. It was fourth down. He sent in word to the quarterback, get the ball to Calhoun. And the ball was snapped. The quarterback faded back for a pass and he got sacked. The game was over. The coach was furious about this and he confronted his quarterback and said, I told you four times to give the ball to Calhoun. And the quarterback stood tall and said, coach, you don't understand. Calhoun didn't want the ball. He was intimidated by all the bigger players. Now, Calhoun may have been the fastest running back on the team, but evidently he was not the most committed. And here's the thing, folks. One of the most vital qualities to a successful life is commitment. The willingness to carry the ball no matter how large the other team is. And that's true of our, in our workplace. It is true in our, our marriages. It's true in when we care for our health and in being responsible citizens in anything that we do. Success begins with commitment. But the most important commitment that we can make, of course, is, is our commitment to Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, when it comes to making an authentic commitment to Christ, many people are kind of like Calhoun. They don't really want to take up the ball. They don't really want to carry the ball. In John 6, we see the amazing story at the beginning of that chapter of Jesus feeding the multitude. 5,000 men and, and possibly an equal number of women and children were fed with With five loaves of bread and two small fish. And the impact of that event was enormous. For those who were there. They saw what happened. And and it made a huge impression on on them. And the people knew after something so dramatic and so miraculous as that. They knew that, that they were in the presence of someone special. So much so that they wanted to make Him their king. And they started to kind of rouse the crowd and, and try to do that, they would take Him and make them their king. But when Jesus saw that they were getting carried away in their response to this event, He decided He didn't want any part of that. And so He withdrew from them and went across the sea to His home in Capernaum. But the people weren't satisfied with that. And they came looking for Him. And Jesus knew that they had come not because they wanted to follow Him in in some kind of a spiritual way, not because they wanted to follow the teachings that He had been telling them, but because they had been impressed by this miracle. That's why they came following Him. They wanted to see Him do more tricks. They thought that He might be an endless source of food and drink. And so he decided to separate the sheep from the goats, if you will. The highly committed from the casually interested. And the way he did this was to begin a theological discussion. <laughs> and any preacher will tell you that if you want to clear a room, start a deep theological discussion. <laughs> People aren't interested. And by the way, this is something that I've learned. If you're ever on an airplane and you want people to leave you alone, tell them you're a Baptist pastor. Or even better, a Baptist evangelist. You won't hear a word from them the rest of the time. The fact is that these people weren't interested in theology. They had come looking for food. They had come looking for tricks. And, and and what Jesus began talking about in this theological discussion was the symbolism behind what would become the Lord's Supper. We, they had not experienced that at this point, but he was looking ahead towards that. And he was talking about what, what we would know of as the Lord's Supper, the symbolism behind that. Well, it wasn't a popular subject for an after-dinner conversation. And the people... Who heard him talking about this, they didn't understand what he was talking about. And quite honestly, they were probably repulsed by the imagery that he used. Jika, when she read the scripture a minute ago, she prefaced it by explaining what the imagery was because it's graphic. I mean, he seems to be talking about people eating his body and drinking his blood. Yuck. What is this? Maybe the people were thinking, what is this, a, a plot to a vampire movie? The zombies of the Holy Land? They didn't get it. And they were disappointed. They wanted him to be their king. They wanted him to set forth his economic policy. How was he going to give, him, give them everything that they wanted without raising taxes? That's what they were looking for, and they, they weren't really a whole lot different from, from anybody today. They wanted the benefits, the free lunch, pulled out of the, pulled out of the hat, but they didn't want to, to pay the cost. But Jesus wanted them to know that the easy part was over. Now it was time to get down to the nitty-gritty of what a commitment to following His kingdom really meant. And most of the crowd didn't want anything to do with that. In verse 66, we read these words. "From From this time, many of His disciples turned back. And they no longer followed him. Those are some important words there. And I know that some of you have been through some difficult times in in recent days, recent years. Some health problems some family issues and business problems. Life has not always followed the rosy scenario that you once thought it would. And some of you may have felt your, your faith weaken a little bit because of all. And Jesus understands that. After he fed the 5,000, the people wanted to make him <clears throat> their king. But within just a, a few days, their enthusiasm began to to cool off. And, and many turned back and, and they no longer followed him. This was a turning point in Jesus' ministry. And I think he knew that, that this was going to happen. But, you know, I, I bet it still hurt. Because, folks, the way of Jesus is not for everybody. The way of Jesus is not for everybody. I wish it were. And don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me here. Jesus is for everybody, but not everybody is for Jesus. Even some of those who say that they follow Jesus don't really go with them all the way. Reverend David Galloway is an Episcopal priest in Texas, and, and he told a story a while back that many of us, I think, may be able to identify with. He says that he had been playing golf. He just finished a round of golf with uh, three of his buddies in Tyler, Texas, and they'd stopped in at the 19th hole, the, the grill, and to get some lunch at the clubhouse. And the room was full of people, and like is always the case at the 19th hole, these all these, I'm talking about you golfers now. You know, these, these are people are stopping into the 19th hole there and they're always telling lies about uh, the great game of golf that they just had and all that, oh, that great shot that they made and the long putts that, that dropped. And, and then a man came into the room named Hugh. And Galway says that Hugh is exactly like a tight-casted Texas oil man exactly how you might imagine him to be, red-faced, large, and loud. Hugh always wanted you to know when he was in the house. He was a back-slapping, he-hawing fellow, both on the golf course and and in town, and so it's no surprise nobody really wanted to play golf with him because he was, well, so obnoxious. (laughs) Well, anyway, Galloway was, was sitting there, in the 19th hole with his buddies. And, and Hugh came in. He had a drink in one hand and a cigar in the other one. And he came up to Galloway's table. He started talking loudly, which was the only volume he had. In fact, he was so loud that the attention of the whole room naturally turned towards him. and he And he looked at this Episcopal priest sitting there and he said, You Episcopalians don't believe in the Bible, do you? Well, rather than take the bait, Galloway just kind of looked at him and gave him a half-hearted smile, hoping that he would just move along. And he was referring to some recent decision by the Episcopal Church on some topic that he didn't agree with. wasn't to his liking. But he went on, and he called Galloway by name. He said, David, I want to go to a church that's a Bible-believing church. You understand me? I want to go to a place where the preacher is not trying to tippy-toe around all the hard lessons of Jesus. A preacher who will lay it on the line and not try to water down the gospel. I want a preacher who will be bold and put it out there, the full measure of the Bible, and not hold back a lick. I want a preacher who will not let, let, let sinners slide and will call them out by name. I want a full gospel. I don't want a preacher a pussyfoot around the message of Jesus. Well, Galloway says he doesn't know where this response came from, but he heard himself saying, You want the full gospel, Hugh? You mean the part about selling all that you have and giving it to the poor? And then there was a pregnant silence that fell over the entire room, and Hugh responded, Well, not that part. Galloway says that the room broke out in laughter and Hugh just kind of slunk out as quietly as he could. We know that a lot of Jesus' so-called disciples would slink away if they were put on the spot about Jesus' more difficult teachings. And before someone asks, I know that Jesus didn't tell everyone to sell all that they have and give it to the poor. But Jesus did tell us that we need to be willing to do that if we're asked to make that sacrifice. And he did tell us that we need to have compassion for the poor and to do what we can to help them. But the way of Jesus is not for everyone. Even those of us who are genuinely committed to him often get distracted. There's a story making its way around the Internet recently. It's called The Day the Cricket Preached. And the author wrote um, that when he was a youth, he squirmed through many worship services, but on one particular Sunday, he was forced to to contend with an added distraction. Because you see, as as soon as the, the preacher got up there to deliver his sermon, a cricket... Hopped up onto the platform right next to him and it, and it looked confused and and stumbled around near the edge of the of the pulpit area here. And the author says that he couldn't keep his eyes off of that cricket. This cricket was right up here on the platform. and everybody saw it and this it was raised up a little higher than this one, you know, so everybody in the congregation could see this cricket up there. And he couldn't keep his eyes off that cricket. It moved from one side of the platform over to the other. And whenever it had come near to the edge, the author says he would kind of inwardly shout to the cricket, Jump! Jump! But the cricket wouldn't jump. And he continued to move back and forth. And and the author says he didn't know if that sermon was any good that day or not. He didn't listen to it. He didn't hear it. But the, the cricket was fun to watch. But at the end of the service, an invitation was given for anyone who wanted to follow Jesus to come forward. And when they began to, to sing, that cricket began to move. And he almost got stepped on when the song leader got up here to, to, to the microphone. And some others who had noticed the cricket started to laugh. And, and then the author says that his own laughter turned to amazement. Because you see, someone had gone forward to receive the grace of Jesus. And it was his dad. His father had never before made a commitment to Christ. And he and his mom had been trying for years to get them to to come to church with them. But he never would until today. And now the pastor was taking his dad back to, to baptize him. And the author later asked his father, what made you want to be baptized today? And his father answered, didn't you hear how Jesus gave his life for us so that we might be saved? And, and the author said he just hung his head in shame and he had to confess, confess that, that the beautiful message of the Bible did not reach him that day because he'd been too busy watching the cricket. To this day, he writes, I believe that cricket was talking to me and he was saying, watch me, watch me. Jesus isn't that important. I'm more fun. And since then, he says, there have been many more crickets that have walked across the stage of my life and have distracted me from hearing Christ's message. And that's probably the truth for all of us, isn't it? The fact is that our, our life is one distraction after another. Our work, our family situation, life's many pleasures and responsibilities. It's, it's, and it's not so much that we don't want to follow Jesus. It's that we're, we're just so busy. We're so busy. We've got so much going on in our life and there's so much to do. There's so much that we want to experience. But folks, watch out for those crickets. Watch out for those pool noodles going back and forth over here that distract you from your goal. Watch out for those things that would distract you from the message of Jesus Christ. They can prevent you from following. John tells us us that from this time many of His disciples turned back And no longer followed him. Some of them weren't suited for the Christian life. And others, I suspect, probably got distracted by the crickets. But for the rest of us, for for those of us who are committed to follow Jesus until the very end, we can't imagine anything else. You see, we have found in Christ everything we'll ever need. We have found healing and and hope and happiness in Him that that we couldn't find anywhere else. And so when the crowd had had gone away and, and, and Jesus was left there with just that handful of disciples who had followed Him from the very beginning, Jesus turned to them and asked, do you want to leave too? probably hurt them that he would say that but he it was a logical question the days of his immense popularity that were were coming to an end the easy days were coming to an end the the days when people were swarming towards him the days of the wondrous miracles the days when everyone hung on his every word they were drawing to a close and and Jesus knew that the disciples probably sensed something foreboding and so Jesus wanted to give them a way out. Do you want to leave too? Well, it was Simon Peter who spoke up. And he said, Lord, where would we go? Who would we follow? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow. What a magnificent statement of faith that is. No wonder Jesus loved Peter so much. He wasn't perfect. None, none of us are. And, and Peter certainly wasn't perfect. In fact, there would come a time when, when he would let Jesus down big time. But that's true of all of us, isn't it? No matter how intent we are to, on following Jesus no matter how hard we try to keep the the crickets from distracting us, there are going to be some times when we falter. But that doesn't mean that deep down in our hearts we don't want to serve the Lord. He's still our Lord. He's still our Master. He's the one who has the words of eternal life. He is the one whom we believe to be the Holy One of God. And I want to tell you something, folks. That's what Jesus means to me today. And I hope that's what Jesus means to you today. Everything depends on Him. And I want to urge you to learn from Him what it means to to follow. Not just to admire. Not just to say, hey, He does some neat things. Not just that. But to, to actually get up And follow Him in the ways of His kingdom. To follow the hard teachings that He gives to us. I want to assure you that you can lean on Him during times of trouble. You can trust your life to Him. And to use a a Christmas word, He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, whether we're all together or, or apart. And that's what it's all about. Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Do you want to leave too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. and, And we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. May that be the claim. Of each of our lives as well. Amen. We're going to sing today. Burn in me fire of God. And this is an invitation hymn. And I don't see any crickets around. (laughs) There may be other things that distract us. But I don't see any crickets. Crickets but I hope that you've been able to put the distractions aside and, and have heard, not me, but the Spirit of God speaking to you today. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a response to that word from God by accepting the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to do that today, we invite you to come right down here and accept the grace of God. Perhaps God is saying to you that, you know, this is a church where you can serve. This is a church where you can follow. And this is a church where you can join others in trying to be a part of the kingdom of God maybe you want to unite with our church today. Then come on down here. Or maybe you're struggling with distractions in your life and your faith is wavering and hardships are trying to pull you down and pull you away from the faith that you know you should have. And you could use a little prayer. Then come on down. God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you as we sing together number 496, burn in me the fire of God. May we go from this place of worship into the world where we still see you in every corner and worship you, O God. May we go with gladness in our hearts and with a deep assurance of your love and faithfulness. And may we go with a fresh and full commitment to live by your power and for your glory in all that we do. Amen.